1: Welcome to Talking Giants. Film cleanup from the Redskins game, mailbag. We're gonna get to all your questions. Got a little time to settle in on two and two, heading to Minnesota. You know, we're gonna clean up some stuff from the the Redskins game. Had some signings, some injuries, a lot to get to. Like I said, we're gonna answer every single mailbag question. I'm your host Bobby Skinner coming to you with my co-host Danny King. Danny, how you feeling? Two and two has settled in, and now we got a big game coming up against us. But how, how are you feeling, my man?
0: I'm feeling good. I mean, if you after the first two weeks, I would not have thought we got an important game coming up in Minnesota. But I mean, I enjoyed rewatching this tape again because it was another win. But it wasn't as much of a nail biter as the other one was. But it's a good film breakdown. But I'm doing great right now. It's the start of October. It's the best month in all sports. So I'm doing great right now.
1: Yeah, it really is. You know, we're watching this. See when I record and there's a game on, I have to not face the TV because then I'll just completely focus and I'll tune you out, and I cannot do that as a good host of a show. Uh, but Max Scherzer getting getting smacked around a little bit. Uh, anyway, I'm getting excited for the Nets, like way too excited for the Nets. That's the Devils bad. might be freaking good. I don't I don't know, but anyways, we're right in the thick of football season. Got a quarter of it out of the way. A lot of stuff to uh, you know, a lot of meat on this uh, on this game to really chew off. Anyways, we had some transactions. Let's talk about those first, and then we'll get into some film cleanup. Danny, what moves were made between Sunday and today?
0: Well, Golden Tate, he didn't have to be activated until Saturday, but the Giants activated him today, and they called up Josiah Tuefa from the practice squad, but the corresponding moves are uh, they release wide receivers. (laughs) They, he's they back, released baby. he's back, They and, not, and I have to struggle to say his name, but they released wide receivers, Benny Fowler and wide receiver TJ Jones. Both of them make sense. TJ Jones dropping those two punts sealed his fate. And if you're asking why Benny Fowler over Cody Core, if you still are asking that, Cody Core offers a special teams value that Benny Fowler didn't, so that's why that happened.
1: Yeah, Benny Fowler is a guy like... But Cody Core, obviously, you know, he has a little more potential at this point in his career. Uh, you, you mentioned the special teams things, and we're kind of set at wide receiver with, you know, Tate, Shepard, uh, Slayton, and um, uh, Latimer, of course. And, you know, Angram and Barkley are set to get back. And we're going to trade for Stephon Diggs, right?
0: Of course, 100%. We're going to trade for Stephon Diggs, no doubt in my mind.
1: You know, these, anytime some guy is getting ready to get traded, I just want everyone to realize that 31 other teams are literally having the same exact conversation of, why, why don't we go get him Freaking go get them, Dave. Get them in. What's stopping you?
0: No, uh, but you see, like, because every time a wide receiver wants to be traded, the first team he always thinks of is the Giants, because for some reason every player does that nowadays. That's a joke, obviously.
1: Yep, and then we get to we get to see who they followed on Instagram. So, you know, uh, Stefan Diggs followed some Patriots on Instagram, so that means he's going to the Patriots. Anyways, we're not getting Stephon Diggs. He
0: wished a Giants player—he wished Alonzo Russell a happy birthday. Everyone's like, that's a sign. He's not even on the team, Alonzo Russell.
1: <laughs> I didn't even see that. <laughs> yeah, and it's funny. It's like, he's not on the team. Uh, we literally told him, we don't want you. Uh, anyways, Benny Fowler, another guy that the Giants told that they didn't want. That was a little surprising over core because Fowler definitely would be called upon in the receiving game more. But we saw core make some plays in the first in the first couple of weeks, uh, so uh, I think if it, it would have went either way on this, I don't think either way would have bothered me. It's the fifth wide receiver, so um, nothing to get too worked up with, especially when Ingram is splitting out at wide receiver so often. And uh, T.J. Jones, T.J. Jones is a guy I advocated for pretty big, uh, pretty a lot in the preseason. I liked his route running. I, I thought he was pretty good. I mean, he had a touchdown against Buffalo. I like TJ Jones, but when your, your main job is a punt returner and you continually muff punts, he did in the preseason and then the two against Washington, I mean, you you kind of seal your fate at that point that you, you're going to be the guy out. And he he probably would have been the guy out anyways with, with Day coming back.
0: Yeah, he he was always the odd man out in the situation. The Benny Fowler one, uh, as I said, it, they looked at it, it just came down to who offered more between Cody Core and uh, Benny Fowler, and it, and it was... Uh, uh, Cody Core. maybe if Russell Shepard was still here maybe it would have been Russell Shepard going but they didn't have to make that decision because obviously he's on IR
1: yeah so and then Tate brought back obviously Tate well actually someone asked us a mailback question about that so and plus I want to say more Tate stuff for Friday Josiah Tuefa called up he's a guy I really like I don't know necessarily if he's ready to be like an impact player but he's he's a guy I like I think he has He's not obviously as good as Connolly, but like Conley, he's got really good instincts. Uh, he is a middle linebacker with pass rush moves, which, um, you know, you don't really see that a whole lot anymore in the NFL, at least in, you know, these three, four schemes. So I love, like that. He's a little undersized, but he plays, you know, he plays with a high motor. So I definitely like calling him up. In fact, I think we, you know, and when Nate Stupar was brought in, I think me and you both were saying, why don't we just call Tuaif up? Anyways, he's, he's up now. I'm surprised Stupar was honestly held on to. But that kind of tells me that maybe Ogletree won't be ready for Sunday. Because I think like concussions have shown, like you missed one week with Latimer, uh, Sterling Shepard. So I think Tay Davis will be back. But for them to bring up Josiah and hold on to Nate Stupar, it kind of makes me think that Ogletree might be out a little longer. Obviously, I'm just guessing with that because you know, we ran three middle linebackers last week. So this week, if all those guys are healthy, it'd be five. And I just don't see them making that jump. But uh, nonetheless, Tuefa, uh, he's going to get play- important playing time at some point this year. It ha- like, I-, I remember saying this in the offseason, you know, in some of our episodes. It's like every single middle linebacker is going to get important snaps. It happens with injuries, with all kinds of things. So while Tuefa may not get important snaps against Minnesota, he's going to start a game or get important reps at some point this season.
0: Yeah, I, I think Tay Davis is most likely going to return this week. Pat Schumer said they could get back both Ogletree and Davis, but I think they'll get back one, and I think out of all of them, they'll get back Tay Davis. So, But yeah, Josiah, I mean, he's nothing spectacular, but this is a good learning experience. But, hey, maybe he'll go out there and make a contribution because many people didn't expect David Mayo to look as good as he did when he had the opportunity, and we'll talk about that later in the show. But he went out there and looked pretty good in the first, in his first real game starter for us. So, But, yeah, I think we'll get Davis back this week. Ogletree, I still say, is a long shot. We'll get a better idea uh, today when you listen to this when they release the injury report.
1: Yeah. All right, so anything else before we do a little cleanup?
0: No, I think that is all.
1: All right. Let's start with the offense. Now, we covered, a, like, we covered a lot on Monday's show, and I think we actually did a pretty decent job, so there's not a whole lot to clean up. I wanna, there's, but there are a few things I want to touch on for the offense. I want to start with our offensive tackles. Now, Nate Solder has been pretty good in the run game. Uh, him and Will Hernandez work double teams like, I'm, like not, I've never seen, but they work amazing double teams. It's really impressive. But I think Mike Remmers has been more impressive than Nate Solder in the past game, these 4 4 games. And I know Nate Soldier like, took some time coming along last year. But he continues to open up his hips. And what I mean by that is, is, like, the ball snapped, and he's pretty much turning sideways immediately. And giving guys, like, a free rush to the quarterback if he's dropped back six, seven yards. He continues to do that. And it'd be one thing if it was on, like, short snaps. But there was a sack that wasn't a sack because of a penalty where – He like, and it it was on like a third and it was like on a third and 12. And so they, all the routes were deep routes. So it's not like it's a quick pass and he just opens his hips immediately. Jones gets sacked Uh, on the play where Jones, you know, uh, spun out and ran up the middle on that third down that was on him. He just continues to open his hips super early. And it's, it's becoming, it's coming to a point where I'm starting to get really frustrated with it, uh, with Remmer or sorry, with Solder.
0: Yeah, Soldier. He hasn't looked as good. I mean, this I movie, mean, this was the same way it was last year. It took him time to develop, and maybe because he, he had to get used to Eli, and he finally got used to Eli. Now he has to finally get used to Daniel Jones. But yeah, I agree. with you remember, has been playing very good these past four games, and that's something I would have not expected. I would have thought it would have been the other way around, but. Uh, I think Soldier is still adjusting to the play of Daniel Jones. Hopefully, that gets better soon because uh, this week against the Vikings, I mean, obviously I haven't done their, my film review yet on them, but still, I need the, I need his Natal Soldier to be a good uh, anchor for Daniel Jones this week. So huge game coming up, but uh, Mike Remmers has easily been the better tackle on what has been a very solid offensive line so far. I yeah, and as a
1: whole, the O line's played well. So I'm kind of nitpicking, but Remmers has been really good. And he, he, you know, he's the one who drew Ryan Kerrigan. You know, they, they switched Montez Sweat over there a couple of times. But, like, that wasn't an easy matchup. And Mike Remmers is just balling in the pass game. I mean, Demarcus Lawrence against Dallas, he played really well. Against Buffalo, he played pretty decent. Uh, like, he and, you know, you know against Tampa, he, it wasn't his best game, but he wasn't horrible. Mike Remmers has been really impressive. For a guy that we thought Chad Wheeler, like, was going to give a fair shot at beating out in camp, like he has been really impressive to the point where yeah he was supposed to, he was kind of like a one year rental but with soldier's contract and whatnot i wouldn't be surprised I, I i'd actually i'd probably be surprised but i wouldn't be super mad if you know let say we do draft left tackle in the first round or something like that that we kind of get rid of soldier's contract because there is an out in it this offseason and I, I don't want to go that far but what i'm saying is i'm i'm super comfortable with Mike Grammers coming back next year like he he has really imp- Impressed
0: me so far. Yeah, I'm down for Mike Bremers to come back next year. As long as he keeps this up, I would want him back because he's been a very solid anchor to that right side. Him and Kevin Zeiler have developed into what Jamon Brown and Chad Wheeler were last year, but I'm not saying they're the same, but much better because once they got that chemistry down, the right side became an anchor. Now, while Will Hernandez is still being good, it's the guy next to him. They sold her that struggle. So if they become an anchor, Our offensive line is arguably the best in the league, and it's still very good for what it is right now. Everyone else is playing well, just minus one guy at the moment.
1: Yeah, so overall, pretty good game on the offensive line. Halapio uh, played pretty good. They didn't do the greatest against stunts, but the ball was out, so it ended up being not super consequential. Uh, Wayne Gallman. To be honest, I know he had two touchdowns and a good amount of yards. He didn't average four yards per carry. I, I actually came away pretty unimpressed with Wayne Gallman after this game. There were so many times – he dances around in the hole too much. He really does. And there was times where Saquon takes it there, it's just like in the preseason. It wasn't like as gaping holes as the preseason. But there was times where like Saquon bounces out immediately, whereas Gallman really has a hard time like figuring out what he's going to do. Dance around, he dances around, and then by the time he's like made his decision, it's already closed up or, or it was just the wrong decision.
0: I mean, I, I I personally, just me, uh, maybe because I have the bias you towards Wayne Gallman, but I was fine with how Wayne Gallman played. I wasn't, I, I'm not saying you were expecting him to go out there and be like the next Saquon Barkley. That's not what I'm saying, but this is kind of what I thought from Wayne Gallman would have been. Uh, He has the ability to be a pass catcher, not like Saquon, but he has the ability to do that. He has obviously that Russian touchdown. So I was fine with how Wayne Gallman played. Now, yes, this is against the Redskins. We'll get a better idea how he actually plays against the Minnesota Vikings, but for Wayne Gallman, uh, I think this is what the Giants coach's staff expected from him. Nothing spectacular, but a fine performance, and that's what they got out of Wayne Gallman. So I was fine with how Wayne Gallman played, and I I believe he, if he can keep that up for as long as however long Saquon's out, because Saquon is out of the walking boot, so that's a step in the right direction for us. But uh, let's say Wayne, Saquon is out for the full eight weeks like is expected— uh, if Wayne Gallman just keeps putting on performances like that and the offense as the whole keeps clicking because we got Golda Tate back this week, the wide receivers are still set, uh, Evan Ingram's still good, then Wayne Gallman can afford to put up games like that. But if everyone else around him is struggling, he needs to take that huge step up and just start getting big yards. Yeah, I think that is kind of what I expected out of
1: Gallman. So I'm not like bashing Gallman. I think the point I'm making is that And you know how it goes. There's the people who think taking Saquon was the dumbest choice in the world. And I honestly don't, like, if you have that opinion, I don't completely disagree with you. I I understand, like, you shouldn't take running back number two uh, point of view. Like, I'm not saying like that, like, how could you ever think that or you're so stupid? But the point I'm making is because you're like, see, this is why you shouldn't have drafted Saquon. It's like, no, this is actually showing why Saquon was a good pick because he played, like, kind of average at best. Saquon would have had some big plays Um, and uh, it was against a Washington team that was giving up uh, over hundred yards rushing per game. And like, and let's look at like the pass run ratio against Dallas, 48, 17 Buffalo, 45, 20 Tampa, 36, 19 against the Redskins, 31, 37. We ran the ball six more times than we passed it. And that's what happens when you take a lead from the, you know, from the, from the get go. But what I'm saying is on 37 carries, to kind of have the production with it's not the greatest thing now i was all i'm all for continuing to run the ball with that production because i you know as much as and i've kind of been on like a shut up nerds like like run the past week but running the ball is important even if it's not super deductive it's even if it's not getting the same amount of yards as the passing game is getting because it sets things up so i'm, I'm not i'm not disappointing the run game i think basically what i'm saying is like Let's hold off with the C. This is why Saquon shouldn't have been drafted takes.
0: No, th- those people are just crazy. I mean, if you listen to the show, then I, you, I don't know what to tell you. Uh, Saquon is a generational running back. No matter, the Giants would have not gotten a, a running back at this caliber ever again because the Giants picking two. I think that's one of the last times we'll see that, in hopefully a good amount of time. So it made sense to take Saquon because he makes your offense better. And right now, like, give it a few more weeks, and as much as I'm impressed with Wayne Goldman you're gonna miss Saquon. And, it, and I'm saying this now, if the Giants are ever in the playoffs, you're telling me you would rather have Wayne Gallman over Saquon Barkley? That's a lie, and you know it. So, Saquon is a good pick. That's a
1: damn lie.
0: That's a damn lie. And Saquon is a good pick. Wayne Gallman is a quality backup. He could be a starter for another team, but Saquon is the right pick. He fits Shermer's offense well. He He's such a—you could build so much around him. He makes your offense even better. So, It sucks having him gone, but Wayne Gallman is the backup you can rely on to go out there and get the job done.
1: Yeah, definitely. All right, Danny, anything you got on the offense that you want to spotlight before we switch sides?
0: Trying to think. We got everyone else covered Uh. I think that's pretty much it. I mean, I, I did like, though, after Wayne Gollman fumbled, the Giants did not put Wayne Gollum or Jonathan Hillman in. They put Elijah Penny in as the running back. I mean, he ran quite well, so that was something I took away. If enough is spectacular. Two
1: games, that's two times in a row where Penny gets the last carries against Washington. Remember, yes. last year he, like, and he did pretty dang good with it because he, yes. you know, he has played running back before. Um, I mean, you yeah, did, I mean, did have something with uh, Jones and Ingram, right?
0: Oh, yeah. Uh, Daniel Jones, if you remember, I don't know the tight end's name from Duke that he had. But Daniel Jones, I'm not sure how I many of you are crazy like me and Bobby and watched it basically every, not every, I didn't watch every snap. But from the snaps I saw, Daniel Jones loved his tight end down at Duke. And that is the same thing happening here in New York. Daniel Jones's security blanket is Evan Ingram. He relies on him. He trusts him. And so, I put out a clip contradicting myself, if I did put it out, but it was the interception Daniel Jones had Evan Ingram wide open, but he didn't throw it to it, he kind of wanted the revenge for the Quinn and Dunbar, but Daniel Jones and Evan Ingram, they should be the future of this team, and also, if you watch the sights and sounds, or Evan Ingram mic'd up at the Giants' YouTube, Evan Ingram is slowly becoming a team leader. Uh, for, when Ogletree was out last year, he was I believe he was the guy breaking down the huddles, and that's the same this year. Evan Ingram is a team leader, and him and Daniel Jones are getting that chemistry for the future, so... They could be a duo of the future, but Daniel Jones loves Evan Ingram. That's his security blanket. That's someone he feels comfortable throwing the ball to, and I expect that to continue all of this year, next year, and hopefully into the future.
1: Yeah, he really is his security blanket. I mean, we saw that in Tampa at their goal line when you know he's he's the guy that when everything's kind of covered, that's where he's going to go. Um, and it was actually a very similar play to the two interceptions plays. But, you know, uh, Ingram ran a, a short curl. Uh, the, uh, the other wide receiver ran kind of like a quick out. And uh, Shep was going over the middle. And Daniel Jones probably could have had Shepard if he got rid of it quick. He had a foot on him. And the safety was up high. But uh, Ingram, or sorry, Jones went to Ingram on the curl, which wasn't a bad decision. But uh, it definitely could have went to Shep. So, like I said, like you said, he's definitely much more comfortable with Ingram than anybody on the team, really. Uh, and that reminds me of a play, that fourth down. That was a really good like smart like, football play. One, they showed Blitz, so they had like a six versus five. Daniel Jones shows the slide, like, puts, uh, the slide protection to the left. So what, basically what that is is you have your left guard, your left tackle to your right guard. They all take a step to the left and block to the left. The right tackle blocks the guy um, immediately on him, and then you have a free rusher coming off of the right defensive end. Jones slid to the left in the pocket and got uh, Shepard on, on that quick out. I, I was something that was really impressive. That's that's like that's pro stuff right there to be able to make those calls. I don't know how much of it was audibles and whatnot, but nonetheless, it was, it was really good awareness. I like that. All right, on the defensive side, Danny, anything you want to highlight?
0: David Mayo. Uh, for one game, I what a I, white name, <laughs> David Mayo. That's. <laughs> that is such a white name. But when we first signed David Mayo, I said he's Nate Stupar 2.0. And and watching that, watching the Redskins, the All-22 film and just the condensed film, I was 100% wrong. David Mayo is a very good linebacker from what I saw. Uh and I expect his role to increase now because, obviously, we lost Ryan Connolly for the year. Before I say that, Ryan Connolly, like, it, he posted a photo on Instagram. And it just that made me kind of sad. He just posted, like, a BRB photo. I'm like, no, don't, don't be right back. Come back now. But, but David Mayo's role is going to increase now with Ryan Connolly being out. And I did not expect anything from David Mayo. I don't think any people was. But he had eight total tackles. And he just seemed like he was able to make the plays that Nate Stupar wasn't. He was actually able to tackle people. So uh, his role will increase 100% now, especially with I don't feel Ogletree going to be active on Sunday. So let's it's going to be Davis, Stupar, uh, Mayo, and Tuefa. And I expect Mayo to jump over Stupar and Tuefa. So it's going to be Davis and Mayo. I'm fine with Mayo right now because he seems like a guy. Now, I'm surprised the 49ers let go. So... Uh, I'm not. I know you were also kind of like David Mayo in that game, but David Mayo—he's a good guy, right? He's a good piece to have on your defense right now, especially with all the injuries that linebacker.
1: Yeah, Mayo coming in—you know, when he originally signed, was like, okay, this guy has kind of been a special teamer. Everyone made the oh, he played for Gettleman in Carolina jokes, which I get. Um, He, like you said, he did. He looks solid. He led the team in tackles. He made some really good plays. Uh, Basically, I—the thing I look for in middle linebackers the most. I feel like people overcomplicate things. they be like, oh, does he, you know, how does he uh, take on this? How does he do this? I think the number one trait you should look for in middle linebackers is instincts and aggressiveness. And, that, and David Mayo showed that. He made some really good plays. Um, you know, he was flying around the field. I, I liked what I saw to David Mayo. I don't know how much of that is sustainable. Um, you know, it was against a bad Washington run team, um, a bad Washington everything. But yeah, I, I was pretty impressed with David Mayo. We'll see how he goes look, going forward. Um, Lorenzo Carter. So he's obviously a guy that has been like, okay, where's the plays? And we said this in the offseason. Like, listen, I, I love the high expectations for Lorenzo Carter, but we don't really know, like, the, you know, the, the crazy numbers were never there at Georgia. The numbers were all right last year, but they weren't, like, spectacular. So I was kind of, like, slow down, like, on this 10-sack prediction. I think he's been a lot better in the run game than he has in the past game. Uh, I put up a clip earlier where he just bench presses his, uh, the left tackle. So, uh, you know, the the neck injury is there, and I think we're going to talk about that in mailbag. But uh, Lorenzo Carter, just because he's not out making the flashy plays doesn't mean he's not out doing a decent job.
0: Yeah, we were hyping up all of this offseason but. Yeah, he's not someone that jumps out to you in game. Well, you look at the tape, he's doing his job. And onto that neck injury, that sounds like it was more game soreness. But as I said, we'll get the better idea today when that injury report is released. So he, he's someone we, we can't afford to lose. Many more players on this defense, especially someone like Lorenzo Carter, because as you said, he's not making the the flashy plays, but he's making those dirty plays that you need. Not the dirty sounds bad. Sound like he's like a bad doing like some dirty tactics. But he's making he's the making plays the scumbag that comeback plays. You, No, he's going out there. He's making the plays that don't jump out to you, but they're plays that make a difference for defense. So we can't afford to lose any more guys. And Lorenzo Carter is one of them. But, I mean, Tuzar Skipper, I'm not sure how much he jumped out to you, but he made a few plays on there on the All-22 tape that you're like, man, maybe Tuzar Skipper is something else, and maybe the Steelers should not have – well, the Steelers wanted to bring him back, but the Giants saw that opportunity and pounced on him. So, uh, there, there's a lot of reasons to be hopeful that this defense will keep improving. And I think this was the first step into making an, an all-around better defense. Now we just got a. Few, now we need a few guys to make the adjustments to make this defense very good.
1: Yeah, definitely. And then the other, the other two guys I want to talk about was Peppers and Bethea. Uh Jabril Peppers. It wasn't just some flash plays. He played great all game. He was tight in coverage. I mean, some really good stuff. I really like what I saw out of Jabril Peppers, and then Antoine Bethea, and he's a guy I had a lot of high hopes for this year. Uh, And partly is he's he's back playing like deep safety. So like, unless they're just gonna throw up passes like that, like I understand that. But when there is opportunities there for the plays made, he's not really like going and doing it. And there was a play. Where the Redskins ran, and if you watch the preseason against the Jets, you remember that play where Jabril Peppers had a dropped interception, it was a read option, and then you know, thrown out to the out route. Well, the Redskins ran that exact same play, and Batheo was in that spot, and he kind of just sat at the line of scrimmage instead of like getting in the throwing lane and and ended up being a completion. Where I get like he didn't want to like, you know, like lose his responsibility completely in the read option. But if he would have gotten that passing lane, he wouldn't have lost the responsibility. And, there's, you know, it was Haskins who isn't going to, like, isn't a threat in the read option. Probably wasn't even in the playbook because, they, you know, the game plan was with Keenum. Uh, that was a play I was like, man, like, that could have been a pick six right there for you. But and you could have had, you know, could have been a safety party. Uh, and then Michael Thomas, who a guy I was really down on. And I'm pretty positive about most guys. But going into the season, I was like, I don't think Michael Thomas is good at all. I don't think he should ever be on the field on defense. He has been really impressive in, and uh, his time on the field. We ran four safeties at some time. I think part of that is because of the middle linebacker injuries. But Betcher's defense—it's you know we said it's going to take some time. You know that's what everyone or that's what we were told. It's going to take some time for them to get comfortable and start running his stuff. Well, he's running some of his stuff, and it's it's looking pretty damn good. It was against Washington, and we didn't blitz at all. We blitzed 12, I think I might have said this on Monday show, but we blitzed 12% of the time. We didn't blitz at all and able to get that production. That's uh, really good stuff. It's not like we just blitzed the crap out of some young QB and he made mistakes. Um, we were just kind of playing regular defense. And uh, everyone, you know, everyone made plays today, except for Grant Haley. Grant Haley. Grant Haley went from, like, the most impressive guy on the defense versus Tampa to the worst, uh, the worst game against Washington.
0: Yeah, he's lucky that Case Keenum sucks as a quarterback and overfrew Trey Quinn twice. How do you, how does that happen twice? It was easily—the Redskins would have had 14 points. Well, 17, they still made that field goal. So it would have been a much more nail-biter of a game if that happened. But, yeah, uh, and Jabril Peppers, very great game. This is his breakout performance, and as I said, this was probably the best game to do it with Landon Collins over there. He could just wave at Landon Collins, showing that he's actually so far decent. Atlanta Collins has sucked the whole time over in Washington. But, yeah, Antoine Mfea— I, I expect a lot out of him. He hasn't really been giving me the hope right now. We're, we're not saying do the transition to Julian Love yet. That's a ways off because one, we're actually two and two and, a half, and are competing right now. This will figure out how real they're competing at this Sunday against Minnesota. But no, Michael Thomas. I was I, I would I've always been a fan of Michael Thomas, and I know you always bash him, but. He he's a guy you can rely on. You can put him out there, and he will make plays. Like if he did not make that tackle in the Bucks game, we lost that game, no doubt in my mind. He was he was my MVP of that game because of that one play, because that helped that allowed Daniel Jones to go out there and do that game win a drive. And I mean he should have joined the interception club this week, but unfortunately he just couldn't bring that football in. He'll have another opportunity. But James Betcher likes Michael Thomas, and as you said, we've been running out there for all these safeties. We had uh, what Chandler Thomas, Buffet, and Peppers out there on some plays. So, Thomas is a key contributor to this team, and, and as you saw when Landon Collins went down last year, Michael Thomas stepped in there. Nothing impressive, but he made plays to help this team win ballgames. So, I'm a fan of Michael Thomas, and I'm glad to see him get opportunities out there.
1: Yeah, definitely. He's he's impressed me. So, it's nice that I'm, like, I get called too positive, and, like, the one guy I'm super negative on is actually going out and making plays. Uh, anything else you want to spotlight on the D before we go over to answer some mailback questions? Danny?
0: Uh, no, I mean, oh, DeAndre Baker, we haven't been saying his name, so he's been doing good. The improvement for DeAndre Baker has been noticeable. I think he just needed time to settle into NFL speed, but this will be a really true test because he'll be guarding either, I would assume, Adam Phelan, but I, I have to check the tape to see where Phelan plays, but I assume it will be Baker on uh, Diggs, uh, not Baker on Phelan, Jenkins on Diggs, so uh, I like how Baker's been playing. He, he needed that time to adjust, and I say he's doing well.
1: Yeah, definitely. All right, let's take a quick break, and we'll answer some mail questions. All
0: right, so a lot of people are starting
1: podcasts today. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. It's free. Their creation tools allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor will, di- it will distribute your podcast for you, so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one play. Download the free Anchor app or go to Anchor. F M to get started. You'll be glad you did.
0: Mail time.
1: time. The mail's here. Come on. guys. Here's the mail. It never fails. It makes me want to wag my tail. When it comes, I want to whale. All right. Thanks Steve from blues clues. Danny
0: let's get into the mail first question comes from Gaza at Gazman superstar he has my question is who is laughing now Dwayne with the the gif of Dwayne Haskins laughing when we pick Daniel Jones I'm not sure how many of you watch sights and Sounds if you don't watch them because they're very enjoyable at the end of the game Daniel Jones and Dwayne Haskins went up, obviously shook hands and Daniel Jones like they're whispering something to each other I just imagine Daniel Jones in my head would just whisper whispering to him like I'm better than you
1: he said, Hey, little mama, let me whisper in your ear. Let me tell you something that you don't want to hear. I'm better than you. That didn't <laughs> finish all that great. Um, <laughs> it I, well. <laughs> I dislike doing Haskins so much. His cockiness. One, I thought he sucked going into the draft. Um, I tempered that a little bit going to the draft, but I, I, I feel like I made it pretty clear. I was not a big fan of Haskins at all. Um, and he played on the Redskins and the whole Daniel Jones versus Haskins thing. Like everything is set up for me to dislike that guy um and i you know people sometimes people don't like that I, I mess with other players but you know what i enjoy it and i'm going to continue to do it twain haskins um you suck oh badly <laughs> <I> mean, <laughs> yeah, you, <laughs> someone's like wow you like this guy's making millions like you oh, were, yeah,
0: yeah.
1: You, it was so funny because i love when people say that stuff like they think it's gonna get to me it's like dude you're just setting me up for jokes man like and i'm not i, I like that's not my like persona is is to go out and make jokes i I like the joke but i try to put out serious stuff but they just like whenever you get like super serious and try and insult me it's like you just set me up with jokes um and he's like you freaking this guy i bet you he's a lot happier than you you're miserable and i was like actually i didn't throw three interceptions yesterday and it was (laughs) a fantastic evening i had a much better day than doing haskins um and then one of my favorite ones to pull and Maybe it's not that good of a of a joke, but anytime someone says like your mom, I just hit him back with, my mom's dead, and, and it just really really messes with people because my mom's not dead. Uh, so.
0: Oh, Dude, you, that took me by surprise at first. I know it I did. Know you respond you were, that? And I, and I, you didn't I was, laugh. At all. I was like, oh, <laughs> I was like
1: that one. messes really just... with people when you hit them with that. Every once in a while, a guy will double down on it. Uh, <laughs> Which I, I kind of respect. Anyways, <laughs> next question.
0: Uh, the, <laughs> the next question comes from who do I want to choose next. I'll choose Roland at Kevin Roland 19 He asked, question for the podcast. Well, you're on the podcast. Should we be concerned since Shermer was the offensive coordinator for the Vikings for a while that they will have a good idea how to stop this offense? Uh, I mean, would they have an idea? Yeah. But I mean, this offense is now so different with Daniel Jones and all the talent they have. So uh, this this isn't like a Ben Maxwell situation where teams literally know what we're running. Will they have an idea? Maybe. Yeah. I mean, they can look back at old tape, but I guarantee you, Shermer's not stupid. He changed up some plays from that from back then. So I'm not over concerned about that. And plus, the Vikings defense. I mean, they haven't been anything special, at least from what I saw. From what I saw in that Chicago game.
1: Yeah, I haven't got any time to watch Minnesota stuff lately. I don't know, like, how much I read into, like, oh, this is a matchup of guys who play against each other or coach against each other, where it's like, you know, the Buffalo game was Mike Shula versus McDermott. Uh, so I don't know how much of that to read into, but I, th- I will say, like, everything you do is on tape. So, like, those guys are, like, that they're banging that stuff in their head, and you know, training camp, you're running some of your stuff, even though it's a lot of basic stuff when you're going against like, you know, first string against first string, but in the regular season, you don't know what your offense is doing. Like, like you, you ask somebody, if you ask real peppers, what the Giants' game plan is on offense this week, he'll have absolutely no clue. It's like two, you know, there's two completely different worlds. Like they aren't like paying attention. Like, Oh, you know, they watch the games, but they have no idea what the other side is game planning for. Uh, So I I don't read into that stuff too much, although Mike Zimmer could definitely know some tendencies of Shermer and stuff like that. So I'm not ruling it out, but I'm also like everything we do is on tape. And two, like Everson Griffin isn't going to be like, I know Shermer's about to do this here because he never really like Shermer was a guy he prepared for the least stuff in his career, probably.
0: No, yeah, because obviously, like the audibles are different. Yeah, obviously, they, they, it, Zimmer knows Pat Shermer well. He'll know. And obviously. Daniel
1: Jones is way better than Case Keenum.
0: Yeah, that, that's the thing. His playbook is much more open with Daniel Jones. I mean, you can say the same thing. I mean, Pat Shermer knows uh, the Vikings tendencies quite well because Diggs is still there, Feeling's still there. So obviously, he'll have an idea. But that's nothing to concern yourself with. Because as I said, this isn't like 2017 where teams knew what Ben do was running. Uh, next question comes from. And New York fan underscore 87 at NY fan underscore 87. He asked, can we all get together, send Mr. Dave Gellman an apology card? Rookies are shining. Everyone he let go hasn't been playing to the level we saw them at. Collins, OBJ, Vernon, and Dave, I trust. Yeah, I mean, many people were obliterating Dave Gellman. I mean, I obliterated him on the OBJ decision at first, the uh, Collins decision at first, the Vernon decision, we all were fine with Koji traded for Kevin Zeidler. So, I mean, as I, I said that, and I forgot exactly what show, but like Dave Gellman, he let go of Josh Norman in Carolina. Josh Norman really wasn't the same in Washington like when he was in Carolina. And so far, Landon Collins hasn't been the Landon Collins he was of 2016. So, uh, yeah, I mean, people obliterate Dave Gellman for the Daniel Jones pick. Uh, Bobby doesn't need to send uh, Dave Gellman an apology card because he was all over the Daniel Jones pick the moment we got him. So I was not happy with the Jones pick at first, but then obviously my opinion changed. I think that's how most people did at first. They got fine with Daniel Jones. But for the people that hated Dave Gellman for all, still to this day, uh, I mean, he's he's looking quite smart right now. And his goal of going to a beach, and I forgot where he said, and just kick it back, having a drink, and watching Jones You've watching, uh, <laughs> and just watching Dan Jones for the rest of his career, it's looking like a good bet right now,
1: yeah. And then here's another one Oshane Zimenez has been really impressive, like really impressive. man. pro football focus does what is it like pass rush win rate or whatever? It's essentially the same as Josh Allen. And when you look at like total snaps played, uh, Oshane Zimenez has been more productive than Josh Allen, and the other stuff is pretty like. Even when you cut out the snaps, like, their stats are pretty much even both with two sacks. Tackles are are close to the same. I haven't I haven't looked at it uh, this week, but I know the sacks are the same. Last week it was pretty close. So O'Shane Zimenez has been a really good one. I'm not saying he's going to be better than Josh Allen long term, but Josh Allen wouldn't be in here, like, dominating. And he's on a Jacksonville defense where he, he's not going to get double teamed because they have Calais Campbell uh, and Gucciway and, and, like, all, all those playmakers on defense. So... Uh, O'Shane's image has looked really good. But, yeah, if you send us a card, we'll sign it and send it back to you.
0: Yeah, no doubt. Uh, so next question comes from at bcnyc at Coach. Co- at Coach T O B C N Y C, we're not. Como hearing estás, much- Coach? Como estás? I mean, I dropped Spanish after I passed it for one year because it just wasn't my thing because I sucked at it. Now, he he has we're not hearing much the last two games about DeAndre Baker, which is excellent for a DB with his newfound confidence in his play. How mu- How do you see him finishing the season as we move forward? I see him finishing the season. I'm not going to overhype the guy after he played well for two games, but, I mean, I think he's got the confidence now. He settled into this NFL-type speed, so I expect him to finish the season quite well. Uh, I mean, the last corner, I felt like Eli Apple played well in 2016 and then fell up. I don't know why I just said that. That just killed the mood of that whole conversation. But I believe he'll finish the season well, and DeAndre Baker, he's looking like a very good draft pick, while I did not understand that pick at first.
1: I think Minnesota is going to be a great test to see who DeAndre Baker is at this point, because whether, whatever, whatever side, you know, Thielen or Diggs line up, Baker is going to be on one of those guys. They're both really good wide receivers. Thielen's a little better than Diggs. So yeah, that's, that's obviously gonna be a huge matchup. Kirk Cousins, you know, everybody in Minnesota hates Kirk Cousins right now. It's unbelievable. Like I I always say, I joined the other teams Reddit uh, to just get like information on injuries and stuff. I thought Redskins Reddit was bad. Vikings Reddit is the worst. They're just a bunch of like Midwestern losers, and every single post is about Kirk Cousins. It's like, come on, guys! Can you give me some information instead of just like Kirk Cousins memes? Anyways, I think that, I think this game will be a huge test for DeAndre Baker. Even if Kirk Cousins like sucks, like just going and watching DeAndre Baker afterwards to see how well he covered, I think will be a, a good test uh, for him going forward. So yeah, you know, I, I'm always on the positive side. So I hope. He, I, I expect him to have a really good, you know, end of the season. Not perfect, but really good. So, but I think Minnesota is going to be a really good test for him.
0: Yeah, I mean, there's two huge games coming up uh, this Sunday against Minnesota, and then Thursday night at uh, New England. So, this is the two, these two next two games. We'll get the true idea of what uh, DeAndre Baker brings to the table. Next question comes from Isaac Moretta at Bruegal underscore Poppy twenty. He asked, We all know how great Tate is, but do you guys think there'll be a bit of an initial time an issue with him and Danny, or do you guys think they'll come out, out of the gate firing? Uh this this I, I don't think so because in that uh the genius Pat trimmer is in that fourth preseason game, he played Daniel Jones and Golden Tate. So they, they know each other right now. So also they'll get the practice going this week and they should hopefully get that timing back, but I mean the Giants obviously knew Tate was going to be suspended, so they thought they planned that. Hey, maybe we will be benching Eli at some point before Tate comes back. So let's play Tate and Daniel Jones and just get something going between them. And so it, right now, I I don't think there'll be a timing issue. Maybe Tate will be off a little bit, but I wouldn't see why there should be a timing issue because they know each other, especially after that fourth preseason game against New England.
1: Uh, the reason I don't is. Daniel Jones didn't get to practice with the starters all, all camp. He had, you know, he had some stuff in the preseason uh, with Tate, and none with Shepherd, um, really none with Ingram either. And he came in against Tampa and was great with those two guys. So I expect Tate, who's a pro's pro, uh, to be even more so. Uh, and you know, Tate is a smart guy. He's going to come in ready to go. And like, if there's any like, this will be the hardest week that Tate works because you know he's been out for four weeks. He's going to get back. So I really, really think that uh, it it won't be a problem just because of the way Jones has shown that, you know, he can get on the same page with guys quick the way he did with Shep and and Ingram before Tampa. Uh, But no, that's, that's definitely a good question though, because I think other QBs would have some kind of a hard time, especially with a a guy like Tate, who's running a lot of underneath routes. Um, You know, he's reading, he's a, he's a wide receiver who can read a defense and find a hole and sit in it. So I expect it to be pretty good. And that reminds me of a play uh, on the first drive. Remember the one where uh, Shepard caught the ball like a three-yard line, right in the middle. That was a really good QB and wide receiver play right there. Because if Shep just continued running through his route, he would have overran it. He would have been over the safety. Uh, he sits right in the middle of there. Jones puts it right on him. Uh, that was a really awesome play. So yeah, but that, that's a really good question, Isaac.
0: All right. No, that was a great. Because, honestly, that, as you said, that's a concern for some QBs, but I don't have that concern with Daniel Jones. And that's, that's incredible. A rookie QB who went in there and just and played like he was always start uh, proactive with the first teamers. That's quite impressive. And now rookie quarterbacks could do that. I mean, look at Dwayne Haskins. He's not even practicing with the first teamers. Well, it's to obviously- Dwayne
1: Haskins' defense. It's just because he sucks. I don't know how <laughs> much of it is, uh, you know, them yeah. with the receivers. Yeah,
0: yeah. And, I mean, who knows? He may not even start this week. Imagine. I love people
1: who get mad at me for, like, making fun of Haskins. It's
0: like, he is our rival. Like, of yeah. course I'm going to be overly making fun of him. Yeah, I mean, I loved – I lo- not loved. I liked he's Dwayne Haskins. in
1: San Francisco. I wouldn't be riding Dwayne Hill. Yeah.
0: I mean, like, I wanted Dwayne Haskins first, but then when we didn't get him, and then he went to Washington, I'm like, I'm like, all right, he's the enemy now, and I don't like him, so – and, who, and to say this about Dwayne Haskins, he may not even start this week. There's not even a guarantee that they'll start him against New England. So shows you the he difference. So it, oh, yeah, he hates him. It just shows you the difference between Haskins and or where at least Gruden feels Haskins is right now. Next question. I uh, Actually, wait, this may be the final. Nope. Next question comes from Dread X... CLL. I'm not sure what that's supposed to be. He at at Dread underscore XCLL. He asked, Do you think we'll see more Tuesday skipper while Zoe Carter is dealing with his neck injury? Uh, We don't know how serious a neck injury is. Pat Schirmer said it's game soreness. So I'm under the impression that they just pulled him out because maybe he just had a little sore neck and they pulled him out. So I, I we'll get, obviously, as I'm saying this, we'll get, I've repeated myself. I said this, I don't know how many times. We'll get the better idea when the injury report is released. But We'll see more Tuzar Skipper because obviously they don't want to have this neck injury become something more, uh, a bigger issue. But I, I believe we'll see a healthy dose of Tuzar Skipper now that they see he can actually go out there and make a few plays. Yeah, Skip is, you know, he's not somebody I, I expected a whole ton of. But what I do like about
1: him is, man, he's got a really good, like, punch. Like, when he, like, he's got a little, like, you know, momentum, he really gets into guys' chest and puts them on, on their heels. So I like Skip, um, but right now at the defensive end position, I know they're linebackers, but they're freaking defensive ends. We pretty much run a four three still. Uh, um, right now, we pretty much have a safety coming playing outside linebacker. Like we, like three. I used to be obsessed with like three four versus four three, and now it's like everyone basically runs a four three nickel all game long. Anyways, so that's not the point of this question. Uh, Skip has been impressive. He hasn't been like over He hasn't been like a huge playmaker, but. I feel like he's done his job pretty well, uh, but with O'Shane uh, Golden playing as great as he's been playing, uh, and then Lorenzo obviously is going to have uh, you know that that those reps over to uh, Skip. Skip can get in you know a few reps, but he he's gotten a few reps every game even when everybody was healthy. Uh, but yeah, if 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 Lorenzo Carter's injury is even like a little bit serious, I would expect Skip to get uh, you know another five to ten reps.
0: Yeah, no doubt. Final question comes from Daniel Jones Goat. With how many is that? One, two, three, four, five, six. I think seven or eight. Do you have
1: to say it with Daniel Jones
0: Goat? I'm sorry, Daniel Jones Goat. And uh, someone who's not a goat is at Ellsbury and NY New York uh, NYY. He asks, who are some backups on the team that that? Play key. Wait, hang on. I forgot English yet for a second. Who are some of the backups on the team that play key roles that we don't hear about? Can't figure how to get the word out, but you get the gist. Thanks. So I'm assuming you with the backups who play. Yeah, I think I get what you're saying. David Mayo. I'm I'm hammering him home right now. David Mayo is a good player after this week, and I his role will increase. He'll get more snaps. And David Mayo is a guy. Keep watch him on your TV because I believe he is something that we can rely on this year. And I believe we'll go out there and be a force this week and beyond.
1: Yeah, for me, it's been Michael Thomas. Michael Thomas, like we talked about earlier in the show, has been really impressive. Uh, and he's getting a lot of playing time. Um, they've even put him out a deep safety at times. Uh, obviously, Gallman, you know, when Saquon's in, we need him to be you know, somewhat productive. By the way, I was kind of critical on Gallman. In the past game, he was great. He was really good in the past game. Uh, like, those catches weren't just like, oh, catch the ball and go. Like, he made plays. So, I I, I do really like that out of Gallman. Um, and then here's one that I, I love. And they didn't do this in week two or week three, but they brought it back in week four. By the way, I said they you guys should bring this back in week four. They did it. Nick Gates, man. I love Nick Gates so much. I really do. He's a backup offensive lineman. They bring him in um, and and play him as a tight end. He even ran a route and, like, freaking folded guys on that route. Uh on that goal-line power O touchdown, he had a, a great run block. Nick Gates, man, I, I really look forward to seeing us running the six offensive lineman package as the season goes along and just pounding the rock. I love that kind of stuff. So, yeah, Nick Gates is the guy I really like, and he's I, he's somebody who I think is going to be a starter in the NFL eventually.
0: No, yeah, Nick Gates is a hero. He was a press in the preseason. I like the way they are using him now, and I agree with the Michael Thomas thing. He's a guy you can go out there and rely on. And that is all the questions we got.
1: I love Nick Gates. Anyways, that's (laughs) the show. We appreciate you guys listening. We got one more week before we do the the Danny Dimes or whatever Talking Giants gear giveaway. So make sure, leave a five-star rating review, take a screenshot and DM it. If you don't DM it, I can't put you in the contest. And I know there has been some reviews that haven't been DM'd. so make sure you do that. I don't want to leave anybody out. You can do that on Facebook, Instagram. Twitter, whatever. By the way, give our Facebook and Instagram some love. Uh, the Twitter, obviously, is, is king, but the Instagram, we're putting out stuff. Facebook, you can share the stuff with your aunt, who is way too political. All that good kind of stuff. And we'll see you guys on Friday with a preview of the Minnesota Vikings game. We're 2-2. Two and two. We're second place in the
0: division. Super Bowl bound. Super Bowl bound.
1: We'll see you guys on Friday, and let's go big blue.